recording live from the Wheel of Fortune model set that Roger Goodell uses to hand out NFL punishments. It's the Seahawks Nest Quick Shot. <laughs> His punishments are always fair and always, always Balanced? to the Patriots. Oh. Now, I was going to go there, but I decided to. <laughs> they always bring it feel back. like completely Shots random. They always feel like he just threw a dartboard, threw darts at a Absolute, dartboard on a spinning wheel. He has he has a all these areas on a dartboard and it says like first round draft pick, second round draft pick, warning, uh, suspended only if I see a video that makes it look really bad. I think if you pull out his desk drawer, there's gonna be like one drawer full of magic eight balls and one drawer with just like a Ouija board. <laughs> all right, so do you guys? We're gonna go into our uh, normal uh, post off season format. We'll start with our. Uh, Seahawks news. There's three big Seahawks news stories this week. Let's start with the small one. Uh, Cliff Avery, Averill had a successful surgery. Yeah, there seems to be some mystery around it. Apparently, it might have been like a sports hernia. Yeah, no one knows exactly what it is, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. So g- yeah. get well, Cliff. I'm glad it could wait till the off season. As yeah. we continue our trudge through the month of February, explaining to everyone just how many friggin' surgeries all these people need. Like, if if you're asking about a Seahawks player, just assume they had an off-season surgery, folks. Yes, I mean, we're gonna probably going to have a new one to tell you about every week. It seems like that's the that's way. That's how it seems, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention the ones that you don't find out about until training camp. All right, so get well soon, Cliff. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, Condolences to Mrs. Mrs. Averill for having three kids to look yeah, I was after. Yeah, has two kids, so it's going to be, uh, you know, it's probably going to be fun for him to hang out with the kids all the time. Uh, so then we've got uh, NFL tells tells sources sources say nfl no punishment for sherman gate Whew. this is this is news for us last week is this getting more and more official now it, it seems like uh this is like now another just another high level source saying yeah no this is no there's gonna be no punishment for that at it, this rate with that many people coming out saying it i i'm i'm prone to believing it well there's a secondary factor they keep talking they're talking about now where functionally what the claim is is the Seahawks claim that because he was practicing um, fully, then he didn't have to be on the report. And, and that's kind of what the rule says. But the NFL says that's not how it was intended. So what they've done is they've officially let the Seahawks off with a warning. And kind um, of but if they the... do it again, then they're going to get double the discipline. Right. And they also changed the guidance. And the new one. They changed the guidance on the rule. Like they're like, which they, that needed to happen. They told all the teams, like, this is kind of exactly what we want. I mean, it's just going to lead to what happened with the Patriots where they put everyone on the injury report in a goofy way. And it's like, Tom Brady oh, every, every week, shoulder. every week, Tom Brady shoulder questionable. It's like, yeah, he's going to play every game. Why are you doing this? Which I really actually hope is what happens because that rule is stupid. It really is. And I think the Patriots are showing that it, it doesn't really matter to have this injury report, and now the Seahawks are going to be doing it too, possibly. Well, I'll tell you what. If uh, the Cleveland Browns were on my schedule, I would list every single one of my players on the injury report the week Why? I played them because they have Why? Greg Williams as their DC. And Greg Williams' uh, bounty gate is the reason why that happened. That's a big part of why uh, people started hiding injury report was because people were being targeted. And, hey, turned out people were being targeted way to protect the players nfl that's it all right well, you know, if there's one thing that, that the nfl cares about it's player safety oh uh, no all right uh <laughs> last one uh we got one final big story this was actually like probably the biggest nfl story of the last week too uh <laughs> ironically enough 
Seahawks signed Blair Walsh to a one-year deal just wide left of a million dollars at 950000 <laughs> This is so we could officially retire his jersey, right, for what he did for us in that playoff Some game? Some great contributions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is what is the deal? Nine hundred fifty k one year, nothing guaranteed. Just wide left of a million, just like I said, man. Yeah. And this is so we don't have to sign a kicker, or we don't have to draft a kicker. We don't have to go over like uh, like for Robert Agayo. We what can this just... really means is that we are going to bring in three kickers into camp, and uh, and we're going to be moving on from the house. House is not going to be, which around. makes perfect sense. And we're bl- going to bring in a UDFA and or two, and I, maybe... I wouldn't be surprised if we draft like a sixth rounder. Yep. and then. Bring in like another veteran and just say, "Hey, well, let's work this out in camp." Yep, uh, I think that's very likely because that's the smart way to do it. Kickers for life are the relief pitchers of football. Blair Blair Walsh too. Also, I mean, on some level, if he regains his mojo, he's as good as Hauschka. He just he he missed that kick against us, and then the beginning of last year was Got just the yips. He was yeah. like not the same and. It's so, like Kevin Costner in Tin Cup. If they get him in here, <laughs> <laughs> boo, Kevin. If they get him in here, they get a replay. They get him, uh, you know, he's with like a the good, catcher in Major League Two. Good sports psychologist, you know, and they, you know, work with him. I mean, there's no reason, but by, by the end, he could end up being a really, really good pickup. And at nine hundred fifty thousand dollars, like that's tremendous value for a veteran kicker. My heart hopes that Marshawn Lynch is his sports psychologist. Come on, man, you got you got to kick it. Come no, on. what he's gonna say is he said say like, you gonna get got, but you're gonna get yours more than you gonna get got. That's, that's what he's gonna tell. <laughs> and Blair's just gonna nod his head. No, it seems like Blair Walsh comes out with a cornrows next year. <laughs> we talk about Blair Walsh having you know a really bad beginning to this year, but I don't know. He looked like Stephen Hauschka looked this year. So if we if we are just resigning what we got last year with Stephen Hauschka for less money, not my ideal situation, but I guess it's an improvement. Well, it's an improvement in that it frees up enough money to sign a defensive lineman. Yeah. That's good. Get we could have used somewhere else. I'd say offensive lineman, but at this point, I don't know how much hope I have for that. Yeah. All right. So there were like two big stories throughout the week. Oh, uh, there's one other super NFL. small story. Uh, a Seahawks story? Yeah. Oh, what? Lofa Tutupu not coming back. I skipped that. I didn't care. Uh, well, we had a really good linebacker season. Uh, yeah, and our assistant. You know, to be fair, assistant I linebacker coach. It's not like he's <laughs> I did not hear this though. That's uh, what's what's the deal with him not coming back? Just he's, he's not. He's just good? not coming back. It happens with the assistant. He might uh, he might be getting like a DC job at like a Division One AA school or something. Yeah, you know, it's like he's just moving on. It's and it's it's probably not for a good job. It's not like he's going to be San Francisco's defensive coordinator next year or something. I really hope he is because that wouldn't be good for them. I already heard San Francisco switching to a four three, which yep. is crazy because they spent huge draft picks getting DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead who are like prototype 3-4 defensive ends like they could be they're not going to be as good as JJ Watt but they're like trying to be you know yeah they have a couple of long athletic defensive ends and they punted it they're in that model and then they're like oh you know let's just we're going to have to use these guys as a regular defensive ends now or defensive tackles in a 4-3 hey man when you don't know what you're doing when you don't know what you're doing and you're the 49ers you just got to continue to not know what you're doing that'll be terrible next year all right so anyway, I don't feel bad actual, about my job as at the helm of their GM ship. An actual Washington. NFL news: We had a lot of uh, stories this week about, uh, you know, Patriots talking garbage about Goodell was like a big story this week in NFL news circles. So uh, it was <laughs> cross not, out week first place of all, year. It was like you know, top NFL execs are seething over the fact that Patricia wore the Goodell clown shirt. Then Edelman wears a fire Goodell hat in the parade, <laughs> which is great. 
And then there's a big story about like just the faces that Goodell was making during the handshaking, how he was like fake smiling, yes. shaking everyone's hand, and then it shows him like right after he shakes the last person's hand, and then he just like looks so angry, and he just like slinks away from the stage. Well, on the, the do you think he took one of those prison shower scenes afterwards, where he's just like washing his hands over and over? Well, we we talked about it last week how Tom Brady was. You know, had said something to Goodell, and Goodell was nodding, you know, smiling, and then he started shaking his head no and trying to pull away from Brady. Brady came out this week and said, no, he, I was, you know, I was just so busy and I was trying to find my wife. And I was like, no, we all <laughs> want to know what you said, man. Oh, there's a reason why he's a uh, Belichick's quarterback. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nothing's going to change. He's still going to be the commissioner and the Patriots are still going to win football games. So everyone can be happy and unhappy at the same time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Another cool, uh, one cool NFL stats thing is that Pro Football Focus did a, a, a guy, it was a mo- who's most effective on each type of route. So they charted what types of routes every receiver ran this season. Uh, you know, hitches, slants, uh, so there's, there's like not basically nine routes in a route tree. And I guess ten if you include the cross route in the screen. But anyway, uh. Well, the pick route. So. <laughs> So anyway, it's a pick route. Uh, I guess that would be like a slant. That'd no be, one here two, knows. That's a two. So anyway, anyway, whatever. So they they went through and they figured out you know who's the best on each of these routes. And it was I thought it was a really interesting article. One of the only guys who appeared on the list twice was uh, Julio oh, Jones. Sad. So yeah, I bet. Uh, so just if you were wondering like who's really good at football and is a wide receiver, Julio Jones. Uh, no Seahawks appeared on this list. That's why I didn't bring it up in the Seahawks part. Uh, and what? Strangely, this is the one that blew my mind. Antonio Brown was nowhere to be found. Interesting. You know, people say that he's just, he excels at everything, but he's, he's like an above average jack of all trades. And looking at him, I can, I can believe that he just kind of catches what's thrown to him. I just have this he idea in my best head. Best case like, scenario, Doug Baldwin. I feel like Antonio Brown, like, I have this idea in my head because I've watched his film, you know, because we played the Pittsburgh Steelers last year and I watched his film and I was like, this guy runs everything perfect. But he just must not be like the most efficient on any individual route. You know, it's yeah. just like, it's just like, hey, everything's really crisp and perfect, but you know, he can make his, he makes his money 20 different ways. It's not like he's just good at one or two of these routes. Well, and if you think about it, that makes sense. Like if I were to ask you, hey, uh, Eric, Nate, AJ Green, what's he make his money on? Being oh, tall. No, post and corners, man. Yeah. Post and corners. Post and corner balls. routes. Yeah. It's, he was number one on post and corner routes in this article. And it's, oh man, his, his, his like uh, deep outs and deep ends are like nuts. It's, he he's so fast and so strong and so big. Yeah, he gets vertical really quickly. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like so, a strider too. Like he's got those long steps where you just all of a sudden he doesn't seem like he's going that fast, and all of a sudden it's just like oh he's 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 really fast. He's gone. Like Randy Moss, yeah. well, young Randy Moss. Guys like that, you gotta stop them from really running. You gotta yeah. disrupt their way they're running. Here's the flip side of that coin. What was Jerry Rice's route? Jerry Rice's route. I don't really remember. But the one where guess, he's on the field. I was gonna. <laughs> I, was gonna I was gonna say. I'd guess it was. It was either be like hitches or ends. Uh, seems like he, I was gonna say the long like slant. His hips would save, like just destroy people. He created a lot of separations on small cuts. So like sluggos were a good deep route for him. Long slants. There you or, go. Or uh, yeah. Otherwise, like it'd another, be like a, a slant, like the out and, a, in. and out and in. Yeah. But I bet he would be one of those ones where you know where he appeared on the list or didn't would be surprising, just because he does everything like in the ninety fifth percentile. And one more interesting thing, I know like people act like New England's receivers aren't that good, but Edelman appeared on this list, being the best comeback and hitch route runner. 
and Chris Hogan appeared on this list being the best go route, most efficient go route runner. And part of that's Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady is hitting them when they're open. But I mean, you got to run the route well to make it work, right? Yeah. And that's the best thing about Hoodie is he took a guy who worked at Popeye's Chicken and a guy who played <laughs> lacrosse and then won a Super Bowl. I didn't know that Chris Hogan played lacrosse. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't yeah, know okay. Julian. Well, how about this? Here's another, here's another Patriots. I know, like, I like to talk about how well run Joe Brock Osweiler really played basketball. The Patriots have $63 million in cap room this year. Of course the they Bills, do. The Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins combined have $63 million in cap room <laughs> this year. Just thought you guys would enjoy that. Well, that's because, you know, New England has more holes and was a less successful team this year. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get too heavy, but, uh, the, one of the guys who's been railing the NFL the hardest over the last like five years is, uh, ex Cardinal safety, uh, Benny Perrin, like about concussion protocol and head injuries and taking care of the veterans and all that stuff. And, uh, he actually committed suicide. So I just thought like it's another case where like people need to really start talking about this head injury stuff or the NFL is never going to do anything about it. Like vote with your wallet. Don't buy team branded merchandise. Like and send the NFL email saying that you, I would have bought a Seahawks jersey, but I don't think you guys are, you know, this. Because, like, I don't think that it will ever change if, with how popular the NFL is, I don't think that change, change has to come from the fans. There's a reason the steroid era was not addressed until baseball's, uh, numbers started declining on ticket sales and everything. And it's because when they were making money, they didn't want to upset the apple cart. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> okay. I got, um, two more stories. Uh, one, one fun and one just kind of interesting. The only player on the Browns team that they drafted between 2011 and 2013 is Josh Gordon. Ugh. That means every other draft pick on their team uh, that they drafted from those in those three years, which isn't that long ago, are not on their team anymore. And he is barely on that team. Now you could argue he's not on that team. It depends on what week you're talking about. And then finally, the last... Oh, actually, there's two more. I have two more. I lied. Uh... Tyrod Taylor said he won't take a hometown discount to play for the Bills. And he I say, good for you. Yeah. Because the Bills suck. And living in Buffalo probably sucks. And if you can just get out of there and go play somewhere awesome like Cleveland. Oh, wait. No, not, not Cleveland. What uh, about the Applebee's and the Dave and Buster's? Yeah. What about the Applebee's? And the <laughs> I've Dave heard and that Buster's? was good. <laughs> I have it on a good word. They let me sing the birthday song. I love it. That's a great. <laughs> if you haven't seen Marshawn Lynch uh, tours uh, Buffalo with Trey Wingo. It's an all-time great ESPN segment. It was before he was with the Seahawks, and it's it's Marshawn. It's through and so through. good. It's Marshawn just making fun of the fact that Buffalo is kind of boring, but in like the most Marshawn way. Yes, because he's like he's selling it, but he's selling it in such a way like it's a great satire piece. And the biggest story of the week was the Giants cut Victor Cruz and Rashad Jennings, which oh, is important. I did not know that part. I mean, the Victor Cruz thing was like the bigger story though, because that's like. The, Gi- the Giants kind of invested a lot in getting him back on the football field and then to just like kind of give up at, at this close to the end. I feel so- like the Giants are that team that we think they have their stuff together because they're always competing in kind of a easy division. But I don't really know if they really have a plan there except for I keep like Eli. the division was actually kind of decent this year. <laughs> it was I mean, good. This year. Carson, this year it was. Carson Wentz was, was not a great after the first, like, what, six games? He was, like, amazing for, like, six or seven games. And yep. Then- he really fell off a cliff. Do you notice how um, that division I, though is like it's I, it's really when one team's bad, everyone's bad, and then one team really gets better, they all improve. And I don't right. know if they're improving or if their records just improve. Well, I mean, they have to, I don't know because they you have for your whole division to have good records, you have to beat up on the other divisions. Another thing about this though is the NFL schedules are cyclical, so like, you know, 
a lot of teams got a boost this year because they they were the division that got to play the AFC South, right? And the AFC South was hot garbage. So if you're in the division that gets to play the AFC South, like that's a boost to your that's a boost to your record, like a three or four game boost. So if we call know, it the Bortles effect, and this year, I mean next year, the NFC West is going to be horrible. Other than the Seahawks, I would be surprised if any of the other teams get to 500. And who are we playing? Because Arizona's going to Arizona's in cap hell. They have to re-sign everyone, and they're not going to be able to do it. And then their quarterback is he looked like he was 500 years old last year. You know, so and he had a few games where he showed that he was playing well, but like he did not put a single full game together. So the divisions that play against us, I think, have a really good chance to put up good records next year, even though there might not actually even be that good. What about the AFC South, though? That that division you just spoke about, we're playing them next year. That's good for us, absolutely. I mean, so that AF- that will that will be a factor in getting them to five. It might artificially inflate like Tennessee's record, who I think is like a middling team like they're in the middle of the pack but they might actually get to 10 and 6 next year because they get to play st louis and the 49ers and arizona who might be on a and big they could decline. pull two out of three right and if they can win like two out of three or three out of three of those games that's a big boost whereas opposed to like imagine if tennessee had to play philadelphia new york giants dallas and washington that could very well be four losses no problem i want to make a really stupid point um, the reason I brought up Rashad Jennings is because when I'm playing fantasy football, when I see that he's one of the five best running backs remaining, that's when I'm like, oh crap, I need to get running backs before I have to get Rashad Jennings. <laughs> that's my review that's of Rashad awesome. Jennings as a player. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a really dumb I think like, that's how couch take, but Rashad Jennings, he could not stay on the field. He was a big back that couldn't keep healthy, and he really is. Cruz and Jennings leaving is interesting because it's kind of like almost closing the door on those earlier Eli Manning teams, the two Super Bowl teams, because those are some players that are kind of leftovers. I mean, Jennings, not so much. He was like the replacement for Jacobs. But it is interesting that they're both gone. It also makes me wonder, like, what's going to happen at running back because they picked up that kid out of UCLA in the draft, but he's a little undersized and he was more of a like third down type back. So I'm wondering like who's running the ball for them. I'll tell you it's a deep running back. draft. I'll figure it out really quick. Yeah. I was just going to say, Kevin, how's the running back draft look for the, for the giants in their draft position? It's a deep running back draft. I mean, very deep. And the thing about running backs is now you can get the good ones in the second round because no one wants to waste a first rounder on them. There'll be three that go in the first round because the problem with running back now is that a lot of teams have realized like the seventh best one is not that much worse than the first best one, unless it's like an Ezekiel Elliott level talent. And so no one picks them in the top 10 and hardly anyone picks them in the first round at all anymore. Like what? They're two of the last three drafts. There's been no running backs taken in the first round. About I think what it's Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott, and that's it, right? Yeah, Those, yeah, that sounds right. So, so one out of the last three, one out of the last three, but, but I mean, still, that, that's two running. Backs I think it's two guys. out of the last five, yeah. and but there's going to be two. Dalvin Cook's going in the first round, but like when? Like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he went like he'd go around twentieth, eighteenth, twentieth. Yeah, I mean, at that point, the teams that are drafting already have a lot of positions filled, so like. And there's a chance that all those teams decide just to pass on him, and he yeah. ends up back at the top of the second round. Like, well, or if uh, I'm the Giants, I'm holding on to the third round. I'll pick up Clement out of uh, Wisconsin, right? Because you can do that, right? You can get a really good running back late in the draft. Now it's just it's yeah. CJ Prosize could end up being one of the best third down backs. He's a trendy pick right now for being a breakout second year player, right? And I, I would not be surprised if he was great for us next year. I don't think anyone and, would. And he's a third round pick, and 
look at look at Thomas Rawls, you know, or like, or I mean, Turbin. I would say Turbin what is you know was he was a useful NFL player, and we didn't have to spend a high draft pick to get him. Yeah, when when he was on the Seahawks. And, well, Tevin Coleman, or um, who was it that broke out last year for uh, Chicago? Um, Jordan running, Howard. Yeah, Jordan Howard he out of Indiana. He yeah. was a really, really strong running back. When did Kevin back. Coleman go? Kevin yeah. Coleman was a second or third round. Player. I mean, like, why spend a high pick on a guy like Melvin Gordon Jr. When, like, Melvin Gordon Jr., it took him a year to acclimate to being an NFL player. Like, he wasn't like, oh, we drafted this guy high in the draft, and now he came in, and he was awesome right away. It was like, no, Melvin Gordon Jr. actually sucked really bad his first year. Like, really bad. And then yeah. he kind of got his stuff together after a year. He still had a learning curve, just like a later round pick. That there's very few guys that are polished like Zeke when they come in. Like Ezekiel Elliott is the exception. When when they when they do come out, it seems that there's a consensus around the NFL that this guy is going to be the man. And it, right, and that's yeah. how it was with Zeke. I also think we're in the era of running back by committee. Yep, it just makes a ton of sense to have three instead of one. Yeah, you can get away with having three like six out of tens as opposed to one ten out of ten, and then a bunch of like twos. And if you have one ten out of ten, that's great. But yeah, everyone in, wants in to have Le'Veon Bell. Offense, yeah, everyone wants to have Le'Veon Bell. It's yeah, there's like, a reason Zeke Elliott went in the top five. Because right. when you can get a ten, you want a ten. But but I mean, look at da- look at Dallas. They still had great backups. Alfred Morris and D- Darren McFadden. Like those are both very good NFL football. Well, yeah, again, look at Atlanta. If DMC is your third back, you're doing pretty. There's well. There's just a lot of running backs. Like there's running backs all over the place. It, it's teams have realized it's more about how you structure your offense, the offensive line. There's just there. Are, there's guys and getting that, the fit. There's guys that can run the ball, but they need to be able to block. They need to fit your what you're trying to do. Like it's it's not just about oh, I want the premier talent guy. Look at Gurley. Gurley was awful last year. That's a yeah. great example. Of someone Sophomore who has all slump the talent or in the world, something. That was, was all the system. He was horrible because he didn't fit the system. He didn't fit what they're trying to do. They and he, their offensive line sucked, and he, he so he sucked. There's nothing he can do about it. Like yeah. there's very few guys who can win despite their line. That's the list is like Barry Sanders. And that's it. Marshawn Lynch sometimes was like that. Gale Sears in his prime, that right. kind of thing. It's like it's like there's like there's like a few dudes who can do it sometimes. Yeah, you have to and be one of the three best running backs in a ten year block in your prime, and then it doesn't matter. You know, Eric Dickerson. You're like, oh, what's he do? Well, he's just going to stiff arm every. Yeah, he's just going to run three guys over and make five yards no matter what. Yeah. Earl Campbell. What's he going to do? Ruin his body, but it doesn't matter that his line didn't do it. Yeah, as long as Houston's happy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin, Did I get plug? that? Oh. oh. You plug our uh, Patreon? Uh, yeah. Um, by the way, saw your Patreon message, Joshua. Glad you enjoyed the movie. Um, what movie? Look it up. Oh, man. You made me log into Patreon. Yeah, man. Eagle River. Eagle River sent us a message. I mean, he's awesome. He so was, uh, he was digging the... Uh, the movie recommendation, I believe, if I'm remembering the email correctly, watched it with his significant other Ooh. and uh, enjoyed oh, it? it. Happy oh, Valentine's it was Day. It was the actual email, podcastedfromthehawksnest.com? Uh, no, the Patreon uh, message popped up in email. Oh, all right. I don't really know how to... Na- like, I'll be honest, sometimes I log into Patreon and I get confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, the website is kind of weird, and it, like, doesn't make perfect sense Can to we, me. We need to we need to change that picture. It, since since we're talking about this on the air. It is a... I will say this. Patreon... You should just Photoshop, Photoshop my face over Brett. Yeah, or can, <laughs> can we switch the bodies around, or the faces on the body just a little bit? It you, just moved, like, you moved the headstones, but you didn't... That's please. a different movie review. <laughs> no, whatever. I can't find we'll it. We'll do that with a face-off movie review. Oh, no. Right, so, anyway. Anyway. Uh... Joshua, big shouts. Glad you enjoyed it. Um, did he watch? Did he watch 
did he watch the movie that we watched last week? No, it was an older review, but still. Oh, oh man, I was really hoping that he went and watched <laughs> Stone Cold, and I yeah, was like, Stone Cold, great date movie. I suggest it for anyone. Hey, man, if you want to watch it via Riff Tracks, it's on if, Amazon Prime. If your uh, if oh. your significant other likes uh, long shots on strippers' buttholes, you should definitely. Stop. If you are dating Hope Solo, great, a great date you should movie. definitely. I I have the list of every movie watched. I really just want you to tell me now. I don't really don't want to have to try to figure this out. Can you just tell me? I I, I don't have whole, it, so just, just say it. So, go ahead and check us out at Patreon. We'll take uh, your donation. Dollar twenty four is plenty to uh, help keep us fed and properly sheltered. Um, in all seriousness, uh, anything you donate to us goes straight into the podcast. Yeah. Trying to pick up a mixer, have some sweet stickers. I, I really want to get a new mixer. Help me buy a new sound mixer so I have help more, us more help power, you. more power in my microphones. I would love it. Yeah, so that he doesn't have to David Lee Roth the microphone over there. I seriously, this unpowered microphone is so inferior. I have to get so close to it to get good sound out of it. Yeah, this deep throat over there on the mic. All right. And um, otherwise, you know, uh, shower us with likes um, and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere and everywhere. Get the word out. It's the off season. This is the dead season. And, you know, we're still pulling a pretty similar number to listen. This is your chance to get heard on the podcast. Unless you tell us that you like a movie, then Kevin won't tell anyone about it. (laughs) I'm just going to make Nate look it up. Um, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Logging into that email is way too much work for me. (laughs) Because it's not on Patreon. Well, here's the thing. I can't look it up on Patreon because I don't have the login information for that. Ladies and well, gentlemen, the, this is a well-organized machine. I'm just going to tell you the Patreon password is like 48 characters because I really don't want it to get hacked because <laughs> it has like my bank account information in there and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to make this password so long. I don't even think I could remember it, honestly. It's uh, which is why he can't log out either. Yeah, <laughs> this like, is Pandora's box of passwords, folks. It's like so good. All right. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about a movie. <laughs> if you ever seen the movie Pie, that is Nate's password. A for movie Pandora. weirdly that <laughs> I have thought about lately. A movie that gets referenced often, even though it's a comedy that's like over ten years old. Nah, it's probably about ten years old. Uh, it's just a. It's a really weird movie, and I think it's one that like, I I kind of think in some ways it gets it's getting better over time than worse over time, which is uh, it's not something that happens with many modern comedies. Oh, most modern, exactly what you're talking about. Most modern co- comedies are so referential and like they just like don't get better over time. So I'm going to talk about a movie about a man in a new country who who falls in love with a woman from Baywatch. Oh, oh this is goodness. not what I was expecting. Awesome. awesome. Uh, <laughs> we are going to talk about Borat. Borat, Borat. <laughs> Kevin did. Kevin's like, I did not see this coming. No, I, I, I was expecting a different. You zigged when I thought you were gonna zag. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's talk about Borat because the, you know the number of times you hear someone yell out "my wife," you know, is like it's, it's, <laughs> if you hang out with Nathan, it's much higher. It's than definitely it is for other non-zero people. though. Like, I'm not the only person who does this. Well, and, are uh, we doing it partially because Bob's Burgers referenced it? Sure, and I think mean, it's that's, hilarious. That's like, part of it too. Yeah. Like, it's it's just like a reference that's stuck around in in our. Uh, culture i mean there's so many things i like about the movie borat uh i don't really know where to start i was gonna it's say it's like sleeve of wizard yes that scene where he's buying the car <laughs> is great like he's like what he wants to buy a hummer and he says he wants the hummer with the pussy magnet <laughs> and he keeps Which asking so the salesman good. where do you put the magnet <laughs> he doesn't understand well you know well i used to doesn't. like watching the ali g show and it really is just a long episode which, for yeah. those of you who did not watch that, that is someone who is 
interviewing in character in such a way as to never break character. And well, yeah, so, Sasha Baron Cohen doing three different characters I mean, in the episodes all is, got movies. He is hard in character though in this movie. Like yes. he does not break for anything. And like when he when he's at the the like when he's at the house doing like the fancy dinner, you know, just like it's <laughs> on, just like so, on Secession Drive. It's like so hard to watch. You <laughs> in know? the South, oh, that's. Oh. <laughs> it's but it's it's so good. When uh, she says, uh, "My husband's retired." <laughs> Is it okay with the my my cousin Bilo's retired? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. And he's he tells, retired. Like, weird, he tells all these weird stories about that like, like like treating him like a dog, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they, oh they, man, they have him in a cage and stuff. It's a lot of awkward stories. Uh, that's there's there. It, let's face it, it's trying to offend people. Yes, this movie is uh, like when, when he goes to the the women's group. <laughs> and, and the woman is obviously he's being sexy. very perturbed about everything he's saying, and he's he kind of drifts off. I could not understand what this old man was saying. Like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> terrible. Uh, a lot of people sued this movie. Uh, none of them won, right? Be- no, nah, like none of them won. They all got their cases dismissed because, like, because they shouldn't. A, have a lot of times, they filmed under false pretenses. Like, they would not tell people what was going on, which is good because the movie gets like. Honestly, it gets these. This is my favorite thing about this movie: is it gets genuinely crazy reactions out of people, or it shows how people react to things happening that are genuinely insane. Yes, like things that are off the wall that are happening. Like it shows how people react. Like there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where he has a chicken in a briefcase, and he drops the briefcase on the ground, and the chicken gets out, and he's in in the New York subway. And he's running around trying to chase this chicken, and it's like so stupid. And you, but the people like <laughs> don't overreact to it. Like they just like look at him, and they're like, "What is even happening right now?" And it just shows like kind of how like just the way real people react to the the most insane situations yes. that they get put in. Yeah, it's uh, I my favorite story of the person who you know after this movie came out. There were people that said, "Oh, you know, he he lied to us, and we want money, and we're gonna sue." And I didn't, I wasn't really like that. I wasn't really a racist piece of crap. He, they edited it to make it feel this way. My favorite story was when he goes to the comic teacher, the guy who teaches comedy. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> where and he, he does, he's having he's, the argument about the blue gray suit, and the the suit is black, not the that, suit that is scene. black, not yeah, yeah. and <laughs> so. <laughs> That guy, apparently, he was one of the, the last ones to get it because he had his son home from college and he said, yeah, he was describing, I was teaching this guy, there was a film crew there and he was, you know, he was, he didn't understand things, he had a really weird accent and the son got it from the dinner table, said, hold on a second, dad. He went upstairs and got his Ollie G uh, DVD and put it in and said, was this the guy? And he's like, oh, he got me. He totally got me. And I thought that was the one like, oh, that's a great story. Although he did come out and say, I wish he would have paid me more. Cause, right, because they didn't pay people hardly anything. Yes. Like the budget for this movie is is all based on like travel expenses because they like filmed on location in like a million different places. So like they spent $18 million making this movie, but it was just like trucking these film crews around and the actors around and like going to California and all these different places and, and probably America. paying Pamela Anderson. Yes. And they probably did pay yeah. Pamela Anderson to show up in the movie. And she won't, she won't say it. And she the part where they're anything. chasing her down is like and definitely where the movie's going to super the off the rails. <laughs> what's he, what's he say? Uh, what he's, uh, I don't remember. Pam, Pamela, will you marry me? And she's no. And she says, no. And then he's like, 
you do not need to agree or something. <laughs> he puts it back over it. That's great. Uh, there's, uh, the movie, this movie made an insane amount of money. Uh, how much money do you think this movie made? Uh, $118 million. $261 million. Good God, that's a lot of money. I was going to go slightly higher than Kevin. Uh, so they, they, they were really, this movie was really successful and it explains why he got to make like Bruno and the Dictator, which were like similar style passion projects with like really weird things going on. And he, like those movies are fine. They're not like bad or anything. The Dictator was a scripted movie with, I guess, some, you know, I Borat really, elements thrown in. I really in. like The Dictator. I think it's funny. I think Borat, or I'm sorry, Bruno gets better as the more you watch it, but it's, there's, there are, there's some really great scenes, but that is like the most awkward movie yes, to I watch. Say, there are some scenes where you are just cringing the whole time. Like yes. You have, to, you have to stop yourself to get past all the cringing. It is, it is tough to watch. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, I, I mean, I don't like that one as much as Borat. No, Borat's something that you can watch over and over again. And if you haven't seen that movie, like, I think it had been a few years since I'd seen that movie, and it was on a on a pay network, so it was unedited. And I was I was very very happy to watch it all the way through, and uh, it it cracked me up still. It was wonderful. Another funny thing about this movie, Kazakhstan like got really like uh, <laughs> really mad and, and butthurt about the fact that they they didn't have a. Uh, they were the way that the Kazakhs were portrayed in this movie, and the whole joke—it's like they didn't miss the joke. The whole joke is that all these people are reacting because they don't know anything about Kazakhstan. Exactly. Does, does anyone know anything about Kazakhstan? All I literally like the only thing I know about Kazakhstan is it's where Russia launches their rockets from. That's oh, like, and it might be hosting the Winter Olympics. That's like the only <laughs> thing I know about Kazakhstan. Like I don't know anything else about it. So for me, it's like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, th- th- and if I was put in a situation like that where this guy, they say he's from Kazakhstan, some country I've never really heard of, or I've heard of only in a geography book, right? Yep. And yeah. now, now I'm gonna have to deal with, oh, what is he, what's he gonna do? What's he, like, I mean, I could, I totally understand how people like bought it hook, line, and sinker. The fake national anthem is one of my favorite parts of this movie, too. <laughs> Greatest country in the world. <laughs> where he sings, he's like, I will sing, uh, Kazakhstan's national anthem to the tune of your national anthem, and then it's like a fake Kazakhstan national anthem sung to the tune of the American. It talks about anthem. A, which is again all really, other really really messed it, up and offensive. All other countries have it. inferior Pota- potassium. Potassium, yeah, it's potassium mining <laughs> is what Kazakhstan's all about. Uh, that's uh, I remember Kazakhstan said something like, "We would love to have Sasha Baron Cohen here and show him our country," and he's not falling that for that. He doesn't want to get killed, but it. And also, he knows he knows it's not yes. like that. He's not stupid, and it's, it's satire. Come on, folks. Yeah, but obviously that is one thing we did learn about Kazakhstan: not a great sense of humor. Yeah, not. not Maybe great. he can do a Marshawn Lynch in Buffalo esque <laughs> tour of Kazakhstan <laughs> as Borat. Uh, you know, if they get the Winter Olympics, this is Kevin? where we chase down the chickens. I mean, this could happen. The joke: the joke is not Kazakhstan sucks. The joke is that look at all these Americans who are so racist; they believe that this is what a guy from Kazakhstan is actually like. That's the joke. Like, yes. And the people who don't realize that are just like completely missing the point. It's if you, again, if you watch, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the show. This is great radio. The Ollie G uh, show? Ollie G show. No. Uh, current modern news show. Oh, the John Oliver show. John Oliver. Uh, John Oliver, when he does that bit where he's like, uh, in Peru. And you know so little about geography that that's not Peru, that's Peru. Yeah. That is the entire basis of this 
movie except with culture instead of just a picture of a globe. Well, and it's I, I he he takes some shots at at a made up Kazakhstan when he's talking about his neighbor. He's like, you know, I get a window from a glass, he must get a window from a glass. Yeah. I get a VCR, he must get a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's rude, but it's it's very funny. Yeah, I I just thought I think it's a funny movie, and I think it's it it's worth rewatching. Yes. So, yep. That's great, it. Great pick. That's great pick. Yeah. Movie. Uh, did you guys either one of you see the Ollie G movie? Uh, Ollie G into house. Yes. Yes, I've seen it. It's okay. I I did not care for it, sure. but he is that is also my least favorite character of his. Yeah, Ollie G. I like Ollie G when he's interviewing someone yes. who's super intellectual. I feel like that goes over really well. Like the Ollie G Noam Chomsky interview. Is <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like when Ollie G's interviewing just like a, anything else or doing other stuff, it's not really it's that like another funny. pop star. It's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of weird. It's just like this, this is interesting, I guess. And Kevin, have you seen Bruno? No. Okay. That, I don't know. That's weird. The like we've, the, okay. The, the Bruno has one great scene though where they're cage fighting. At the end, and then they like start kissing. Hetero Dave. Yeah, and then and then everyone's just like going crazy. They're like booing. And, like, well, yeah, it's a uh, and they they said that they had to set up like an escape hatch in the middle of the ring so that they could escape out after the scene to make sure they didn't get killed. So to break this down, <laughs> Kevin, at the very end of the movie, uh, Bruno has has changed his character into Hetero Dave. I think that's what he's called. Yeah. Straight, no, I'm sorry, Straight Dave. Yeah, it's Straight Dave. Straight Dave. And they are in something like Arkansas, Alabama, one of the southern A states, and it's a, at an MMA thing. And okay. they have uh, they said that it was like they made it Dollar Beer Night. Oh no! Yeah, yes. yeah. So this is painting the picture. And there's a lot of people yes. there because it's Dollar Beer Night, and, and there's a and that also draws a certain crowd. And there's also ads on the radio all week that were like being in the you know hosting this amazing night of fighting, uh, you know, local radio or you know. Radio personality, no one's heard. Straight Dave with his, with all his women. And so here's Sasha Baron Cohen. And you know it's him, but you had to think like, oh, that's him. He kind of, he kind of looks like Ted Nugent. He's, <laughs> he's flanked by beautiful women and he comes out and he's like, I'm straight Dave and I don't like gay people. And so the crowd's like, yeah. And of course he, he said, I'll kick anyone's ass. And you know, one guy, you know, says you're not straight and he's like, Come on, get in the ring then. And, uh, it's, it's an, a oh, character man. from, or yeah, it's, well, it's a character from early in the movie and they find love for each other again and they start making out. <laughs> and the crowd, as you can imagine, in the Southern A state is losing their mind. Two men <laughs> making out, especially when they're like, you know, straight Dave is really like laying it on thick, like, I love only women and I love I love female bodies, and I don't like a man's body. And this is you know. the type of crowd that would not take that as an immediate cue. Yeah. That it is about to go all wrong. Yeah. And the thing that's the thing that's cool. The thing that it's the Bruno character is the same thing. He's trying to reveal people's prejudices, right? Like he's trying mm-hmm. to show you like that. And I think that's that is one interesting about the movies. It holds up a mirror to kind of like the ugliest parts of like the American culture. The the ones that maybe are revealing themselves more openly now than they used to. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, that is one interesting thing you know, that he did. In a way, it's sad. You know, when you, when you take a step back and look at it and say, Oh man, there's not a lot of tolerance. But on a comedic level, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's funny. Uh, Nathan, great, great idea with your, uh, with your movie tonight. Yes. It, yes. It was very nice. <laughs> I like. Yekshimesh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, if you uh, if you like or don't like Borat, if you have a 
legit criticism of it, I'd be happy to read it out. I don't care. Like, I think that's the best part is you, everyone, opinions are, are varied and you can like or not like something, you know, that's like, I, people are always like, that's bad music. And I'm like, usually I would say, no, that's not bad. I just don't like it. <laughs> you know, like it's not bad. It's, it's just not for me. It's hard to find legitimately just bad right, like, music. There's the, or like movies are kind of the same way for me. You know, there's the, the, that the rooms are few and far between, you know, like when you find something that's truly like legitimately awful, like the room, that's like, that's when you know you've, you've found something great because then it's entertaining also. Yes. So, uh, on that note, uh, movies or otherwise hit us up. If you have any comments, this is a great time of year to get your questions in. Cause as you can tell, based on our number of talking points, there's not much to talk about. So if you have questions, comments, anything like that, hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter, by email, I might even share it with Nate. Or not. I just shook my head no, which makes great radio. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> way to shake your head into the mic. That's great radio. Uh, yeah, so uh, jam that like button. Have a good one. Go Hawks.